0: to be with you. Oh my goodness, that was so sweet of what he said. I'm like, don't pump me up so big. (laughs) I do love Jesus. I'm not a screamer, and of course, you know, I just sang too, so that kind of busts my voice a little bit, but I want you guys to know that the word that I'm going to give you this morning will change your life if you let it. It's not how I say it, but it's what I will say. Amen. Amen. So I'm asking God to touch each and every one of you. Let his hand be upon you as I bring this word and that change will come about in your life. Because that's what it's about. It's about change. It's about allowing God's word to change who we are. Amen. To live this life, to walk this life out until Jesus comes back to get us. Amen. Do you believe that? So like he said, this is week five of Relevant Faith. And the title of this sermon is Don't Cancel Your Favor. We hear about that word favor, and I'm going to go through some things, and you're going to be like, I want to be favored. We want to be favored, right? Raise your hands. Who wants favor? I don't think anyone's going to say no, that they don't want favor. But Psalms 30 says, for his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And we hear that scripture so very much, and I'm pro- probably most of you in here have heard that scripture. At some point in your life, we're going to break a lot of this down and we are going to determine how we can keep favor, get favor in our life. It seems like everywhere that I look, I see this word favor. But if you believe what you see on Facebook, TikTok, whatever kind of social media that you watch, that God just dishes out favor to everybody. Anywhere it's like some big cosmic eraser from the heavens that God is going to take away all the bad in your life Like you can make any choice that you want and all you have to do is ask God for favor and every bad decision doesn't matter But I'm going to tell you differently What is favor anyways like what is the word favor favor means to promote over another or an advantage over someone. Sounds pretty good, right? It's not a bad deal. God giving you special privileges, treating you special over another, and giving you his support. And when I hear that, I think, man, that, is, that sounds like a great deal. Like, I want that. I want that favor in my life. It's kinda like, you know, I applied for a Macy's credit card years ago and when you apply for a department store credit card, you have they give you what, the basic credit card, you get like a three to $500 limit on that credit card. And then when you start making purchases at that store, they will send you another card, they upgrade you, right? And then your credit limit goes to like 1500. And then after you spend that much money and you pay off, you show that you're responsible for, for that credit card. Then they send you what? The platinum credit card. That's the silver or the gold one, right? And that one, well, your limit could be anywhere from 2000 to $10,000. i am not going to tell you how much I have on some of mine. Just, I'm not going to mention. But I do know that it's better, God's favor is better than a platinum credit card because God gives you what's called preferred status. You are preferred over something else or someone else. How about you walk into a crowded plane and they tell you, Oh, we have free upgrade for you. It's happened before. You take your car in for a repair, and it's several hundreds of dollars. And then they tell you, oh, that's covered under your recall. Not in your book. Your book didn't tell you it was covered under recall. But they tell you that it is. That's favor. Let's get something straight. I believe in favor, and I count on it because I need it. I need God to favor me with some things, situations in my life. But I see some stuff that does not work the way that people claims that it does. And one of the most often misunderstood words in the church is favor. Jesus is our example of how to walk in divine favor with God and with man. And Luke 2 and 52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God. And who else? Men. That's me. That's you. That's your employer. That's whoever. Remember when he told disciples, go into town and get the colt? He said, you'll find him tied up. If the owner asks, tell them the Lord has need of it. Back then, they used donkeys like we do our car. They didn't have cars, they used donkeys. That was their transportation. So they would say, when you walk in favor, take the donkey. That would be like me walking to you, Christian, saying, I'm taking your car today because God has need of it. I would say that's favor. When Jesus was going to observe the Passover, he told the disciples to go into town where they would see a man with a pitcher of water on his head. Follow him. Whatever house he goes into, ask him what room that we can use to eat. That was favor. Jesus borrowed a fishing boat. Sorry, when he should have been out making money, he asked for it and favor let him borrow it. What do you think God meant when he told Elijah, get up, go to Zarephath. I have prepared a widow woman to feed you. He was teaching him about favor. And this is big. I want you to hold on to this. Sometimes God's instruction to us is him giving us favor. We should start looking at God's instructions to us a little bit differently. Because God will instruct us to do things that we might not want to do. But we don't see the blessing that's attached to the instruction, because with that blessing comes favor. And sometimes we dismiss God's instructions because it's not what we want to do. Amen? Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Okay, Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor. That means he matured. And we have a lot of people trying to walk around in favor, but they don't want to grow, and they don't want to mature. They want the blessing without the work. And we want God to favor us, but we refuse to do what it takes for us to grow. Everybody, everybody in this room wants good things, don't you? We all want good things. We want the end result to be good. But it's a lot of work. And so that's why we see very few Christians getting a lot of things that that they ask for because it's a lot of work. And we ask, well, why does the world have this or why do they have that or why does that person have that? It takes a lot of work to get what you want. And you have to put in the work to get the blessing. Notice the progression was wisdom and stature is the first way. And so how do we gain wisdom? By spending time with someone because the more time that you spend with someone, you gain what? Wisdom and you gain knowledge. I remember growing up with my mom while she lived in the South. Some of you know her. some of you do not. She's passed away now. She's with the Lord. But I remember staying at her house and watching her. Like, she taught me to pray. I would watch her for hours. She would go in the living room and, and kneel over her rocking chair and she would pray. And she would call out people's names. And I remember asking her because I was small, like, Who's that? Who's that person? Who's that person? And she would tell me, they're from church. Or I met this lady at the doctor's office, and she would remember, and she would call their name out to God. And just, you know, things like that that I learned from her. And cooking. She taught me how to cook. She taught me how to make the baked goods that's out there this morning, the peanut butter fudge, and the no-bake cookies come from my grandmother, and she learned from her grandmother. So the more that you spend with someone, the more time that you're with them, the more you learn, right? Right? Number two was favor with God. Wisdom, stature, favor with God. And then thirdly is favor with man. Wisdom brings the favor of God with it. Because the more that you know, the more you grow. And one of the things that stands out in the book of Proverbs is that if you seek wisdom, you learn to be obedient. I love that because it's not natural for us to be obedient. We want to go against the grain on everything. Because why? We have our own personalities, we think differently than someone else, and so we think that our idea might be better than someone else's idea, or even even God. You know, God wrote the word, but sometimes we just don't wanna do what God says to do. But he says, when we seek wisdom, spending time with him, we learn to be obedient. And I think that is very special because when you're disobedient, you cannot walk in favor. You might claim that you have favor. You might claim that you're going to have favor. But if you are disobedient to God's word or his instructions, that favor will not come from God. As a parent, you favor your kids over other people's children. It's not that you hate other kids. You love them. You know, I see all kinds of little kids coming, running in here, and I love them. I play with Ezra back here every Sunday. But they're not mine. And so I'm going to prefer my children over other people's children. And if you are a responsible parent, you will show preference to responsible children. Right? I'm not going to give the keys to my Lexus to Hannah and let her drive to her boyfriend's house. Not very responsible. She's 15 years old. So a responsible parent... You show preference to that child. And God wants to give you advantage in life, but it's going to happen according to this order. Let me help you. Favor is not a life raft after you jump out of a plane into the ocean. Here's how favor works, all right? God says, if you tithe faithfully, if you show up for work on time, if you have a positive attitude... They have an opening that you're not qualified for, but favor opens the door. How many people have jobs in here that you are not qualified for? You don't have the college degree or whatever, just by a show of hands, that you have a job that you know you are not qualified to do, but God give you that job. Amen? That's called favor. It's not, this is not favor. You lost your job, you start selling drugs, and now you need favor to get out of jail. That's not favor. That's not favor, you're begging, you're begging for favors, but that's not God's favor. God's promises of favor and blessings are conditional to our obedience to his plan. This is so simple, yet the more difficult. It's simple, but it's hard. Obedience is hard, but it is so beneficial. And how do we live according to God's plan? Number one, acknowledge that God has a plan for my life. Just say that to yourself. Put your hand on your chest. Say, God, you have a plan for my life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? Because some people don't believe it. And I see it on Facebook every day. They believe in fate. Whatever will be, will be. They just, whatever it is, stuff just happens. You can't fight it. You can't do anything about it. Don't sweat it. It is what it is. How many people, you hear people say that, right? But the Bible says otherwise. It says there is a path, and I love this, that is laid out for you. It's a path paved by the love of God, just for me. There is a path paved out by God's love, just for me, entered into by the grace of God and directed by the will of God. So every person in this room, before you were ever born, God says in Jeremiah, I have a plan for you. I know exactly what I have for you before you're born. Your path, Brad, is already paved. God knows exactly what he has for your life. So first, we have to admit that that path exists. In order to get into the will of God, you have to admit and know there's a path and a plan for my life. Now, this is so important because whether you decide to find that path or whether you'll follow the path will determine what quality of life that you're gonna have, okay? Because it's, it's real easy to say, I'm gonna follow the path of God, but what happens? We get hurt, someone does something to us and we fall off the path or we make mistakes and we fall off the path and we tend to forget to get back on the path. The best way to live life is in the will of God, and the worst way to live life is outside the will of God. So this entire book of Proverbs teaches us that we can either live wise or we can live like a fool. He tells us, and it goes down scripture by scripture, live wise, this will happen to you. Live like a fool, this is going to happen to you. God has everything planned out for us, but it's our decision and our choice to follow that plan. God wants to reveal his plan to you worse than you want to know it. How sad is that? How sad is that that God has this plan for us and he wants us to know what that plan is worse than what we want it? Worse than we want it because we don't what? We don't spend time with him. We don't. Gain that knowledge and wisdom and the favor and the blessings that God wants to give us. If you desire to know his will for you, you're going to find it. God is not sitting in heaven saying, Amanda, you're getting warmer. Come this way. Amanda, you're cold. All right, I'm going to go this way, Lord. Mm. Come this way. God, where are you? where are you? Where is your will? He's just Marco Polo. I'm over here. God is not sitting in heaven waiting for you just to go all different kinds of directions. What happens is when we find out what God wants, it's not what I want. So we keep looking. It's not what I wanted. God I didn't want this. Do you think I want to stand up here and do this? I fought this for years. Some of you have known me since we've been here. And you know that this is a very big struggle for me. And I fought this for years and years before I finally submitted to the Lord. This was always his plan for me. I didn't want to do it. This isn't, it it's totally out of my comfort zone. But often what God is telling us to do, we're like, nope, I'm going this way. And you're going to run into that wall, and you're going to run into that wall, and you're just going to keep running into things, and you're going to keep getting detoured until you eventually come back and you go the way that God wants you to go. But, God, I really want this. I really, really love this person. I can't live without this person. I have to have them. God, they are the most important thing in my whole life. i got to have them, and God's saying, They're not what I have for you. They're going to lead you down the wrong path. What do we do? Do we keep going down that road or do we decide to follow God? Because it's really hard. It's so simple, yet very difficult. Does anybody understand what I'm saying in here this morning? What we're talking about today is the will of God for our everyday living, we have to live. We have to get up every day, and we have to do life, right? We don't walk around in some spiritual atmosphere all the time to where we're just walking around speaking in tongues, Sean dying to Jesus all day long. That's not normal. That's not normal behavior. We're talking about our everyday living, what we have to do. We get up, we go to work. What do we do? His will concerning, should I go to college? Should I take this job? Should I pursue this? Should I... Let this person be part of my life. Should I get married to this person? God, do you want me to stay single? Because believe it or not, contrary to what a lot of people want to push on some people, sometimes you are meant to be single the rest of your life. Sometimes there's not another person for you, God is calling you to stay single. Yeah, I said it. A lot of people don't want A lot of people don't want to hear that, but sometimes it's God's will for you not to be married. These are the kind of things that frustrate us because we don't have scriptures for these decisions. God did not write the Bible with a customized version for Amanda. And we open it up and it would say, Amanda, Mary, Albert. Amanda, live in weird." And that would just be awesome, wouldn't it? If we all had our own customized version of the Holy Bible and it told us exactly what we were supposed to do. But it's not like that. Sometimes we just have to accept God's will for our life. And that means come to church. Do what you're supposed to do. uh, Participate in things. Be kind. Be generous to people. Live out a Christian life to people around you. And God will begin to reveal to you what it is you're supposed to do. Simple but hard. Accept God's plan for my life. That's the hardest step. The real part of living by the will of God isn't finding it. It's agreeing to live by it. Any attorney will tell you, never sign a contract unless you read what? The fine print. And it is really fine because I have to put my glasses on to see it. Half the time I can't even see stuff. This right here is like super size so I can see. I should have my glasses on for that, but I don't. But the will of God is a blank contract. It's a blank piece of paper. It says, Lord, I want to know your will. And he says, sign here. But God, it doesn't say anything. I'll let you know what it says once you agree to do it. That's God's will. For you to say, God, I'm going to do your will and I'm going to follow you. But I don't know what your will is. Exactly. That's exactly what God wants for you. I want you to sign and agree your life to follow me even when you don't see it even when you have no idea what you're doing. Here's what God knows. You have to be willing to sign that contract, even if it means humbling yourself and apologizing to somebody. That's really big for today's society. Even if it means breaking up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Even if it means doing a ministry that he's calling you to, a ministry that he's calling you to, instead of going fishing or doing whatever it is that you would rather do instead of doing that ministry. And that could be, I got up today and I have plans to go shopping, but God, this person is really on my mind and like they're on my heart and I don't really know why, but I'm gonna reach out to this person and maybe invite them to lunch or something instead of going to do what I was going to do. That is submitting to the will of God in its simplest form instead of doing what I wanted to do today. This is such a big deal because you can only find the unknown will of God for your life after you're doing the known will of God. And when people come to me and say, I'm in this situation, I don't know what to do. I tell them, and it's happened recently, do what you know you're supposed to do. It's not that difficult because once you start doing what you know that you're supposed to do, he's going to show you what you don't know. That's what Jesus does. Father, is there any area outside of your will right now? Do I have unconfessed sin? Am I faithful to you, God? Am I pure? Am I holy towards you? If I'm not willing to do what God already told me to do, what makes me think God would bother telling me something else? If I can't follow the simplest things, what makes me think that God's going to give me anything bigger, anything grand, anything more? As a matter of fact, I'm going to be real blunt blunt with you this morning. It is an absolute insult to God For me to come to him with my problems and my difficulties and my situations and ask him what he wants me to do, knowing the whole time and all of these other situations where he's already told me what he wants me to do and I'm not doing it. Why would I ask God to give me more when he's told me to do the first thing and I've not done it? Something so simple yet so difficult. Do I have a witness in here this morning? Something so simple, but yet so difficult. Do God's plan for your life. When you are facing more than one option, more than one choice, God has provided three tools to help you decide. What is the biblical principle? God's direction will never contradict God's instruction. There are certain things that I do not have to pray about. Lord, do you want me to be spouseful to, uh, faithful to my spouse today or what? Do you want me to be? You don't have to ask God if he wants you to forgive other people, no matter what they've done to you. He already told you to. Lord, if I meet somebody who isn't saved am I, and they ask me about you or church, what am I supposed to tell them? Should I just walk away? No, God's already told you what to do. The first decision to make is, does God's word prohibit or permit what I'm thinking about doing? Does his word prohibit or permit what I'm thinking about doing? So if you're thinking about doing something and you're not sure, if you get in the Bible, Google is a wonderful thing. The internet, it can be good or bad. We all know that. But honestly, if there's anything that you want to know about the Bible, if you can't find it, Google it. And if you're not sure about it, ask somebody. I'm sure that you can find the answer. But if God says no, that's your answer. Right? So simple, yet so hard. So simple, but yet so difficult. And God gives us wise people for a reason. Proverbs 15 and 22 says, without counsel, our plans go wrong. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Sometimes things fall apart in your life and you fall off that path and the will of God because you won't ask someone. You won't ask someone else's opinion or what should I do about this situation because you try to take things in your own hands and you try to do things on your own. And God plainly tells us in his word to ask. Ask for direction. And if you're not getting an answer, go to wise counsel. I cringe every time I hear somebody say, I just do what I feel like God wants me to do. What? What? Our feelings are crazy. Like, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I'm 45 years old. I'm starting to go through some changes. Anybody, all the women know about this, okay? I can be in a good mood now. and An hour from now, I want to punch somebody. And then an hour from that, I want to cry. It just happens. So my emotions and my feelings, I'm not going to listen to that very much because they will lead me wrong, and they're going to lead you wrong too. Amen? Just because something feels right don't mean it's right. God's Word will always give you direction. He will always set your head straight. Uh, God gave you parents to listen to them. You know, I'm 45, and I don't know everything, and I admit I don't know everything, and I still call my dad and ask him questions because I'm never going to know everything. And, you know, I appreciate my parents. I have I have a father and a stepmom, but I appreciate my dad because he is he's very wise. He's been through a lot in his life, so he knows things that I obviously do not know. Uh, Mark Twain said, When I was 14 years old, I thought my dad was the dumbest man who ever lived. I was amazed when I turned 21 how much I learned in seven years. And isn't that true about life? Sometimes we think people, you know, they're, they're trying to guide us and direct us, and we think they're so stupid. We're like, you don't know me. You don't know my life. What do you think you're telling me this for? But sometimes God will send people to you to tell you things that you don't want to hear. And it could be God directing them to just maybe help you. Help you in life. And there's, this is a big one. And this one weighs really heavy on my heart. Number three is spiritual nudging. One of the greatest benefits of being a follower of Christ is his GPS inside of me. The word keeps us from making purely rational decisions. Well, this is what I think I should do. The Holy Spirit keeps us from making purely emotional decisions. This is what I feel like I should do. The Spirit of God will confirm the righteousness of a decision made according to God's will. The Spirit will bear witness with your spirit. So you will know, all right, this is, this is Jesus talking to me. You know, sometimes, I don't like to over spiritualize things but you know we have a conscience for a reason and sometimes you know you'll go to do something and you'll you'll get like heart palpitations or not in a good way or your face and your throat turns red I see some people shaking their head you know what I'm talking about or you that that feeling in the pit of your stomach you're I'm going to be nauseous like I'm about to be sick right now and you do it anyways hello that's God saying stop now Don't do it. Don't go there. But that's God's way of letting us know, you know, that's not right. Don't go that way. Don't do that way. The Spirit of God will confirm the righteousness in those decisions every time. And the Spirit will bear witness with your spirit. And there are people, maybe even here today, that have endured years of a miserable marriage because they made a rational decision. I think I'm supposed to get married. Everybody else does it. Nope. Or they made an emotional decision. I don't want to be lonely. I feel like I'm missing something. And now that they've gotten married, it's God's will for you to stay married. You can't just get married, try it out, and then that don't work, and then get married, and that don't work. It's not. It's not it doesn't go that way. Because once you got the lemon, now you got to make the lemonade you got to make it work. you got to try to figure it out. Without fail, every time that I have missed something with God, it's because I ignored one or more of those principles. And Psalms 5 and 12 says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. God brought Israel out of Egypt with divine favor. You shall not go out empty. Jewels, silver, gold, their clothes, and God gave them favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Might as well take their their clothes because they done took their money. What do they need pockets for? And Acts 7 9 and 10 says, And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all of his troubles and gave him what? favor and wisdom in the presence of pharaoh king of egypt and he made him governor over egypt and all of his house why because god had his back god had his back joseph did not do what he was accused of but he stayed close to god and god favored him and with men this is why you need to get in line with God's will for your life. Because when trouble comes against you, God himself will have your back. Can I get an amen on that? You don't need anybody else to do it for you. You don't need anybody else to fight for you because God himself will do it for you. And Psalms 41:11 says, By this I know that thou favorest me because mine enemy do not triumph over me. Amen. God will shield you from the fiery darts of the enemy. So God is saying to you this morning, and he has spoke to me already, get on the path. Stay on the path. The weeping only endures for the night. Joy comes in the morning. God is saying, you know, this might be what you were wanting to do, but I want you to go this way. Be willing to submit to him. Submit to God. Submit to staying on the path. And you know, it's, it's, what I say, it's simple, but it's hard. And only you can make that decision for your life. But start small. The smallest step makes the longest, longest lasting effect. Okay, they, they always say even when you're dieting, don't do these crash diets and stuff because you're going to fail every time. Start small first submit to him and make Jesus a daily part of your decisions. It's not super spiritual. It's just, I'm going to submit to you, God, and I'm going to bring my daily decisions to you. I'm going to ask you to guide my life, guide my footsteps. Keep me, God, on the path, Lord. I I want to be favored by you. I don't want to be walking around the wilderness for 40 years wondering, how long is it going to take me to get the favor of God? Because Every time I get on the path, I, go, I get detoured, and I go this way. God, I'm on the path. I'm on the path. And then I get detoured, and I go the wrong direction, and I have to keep getting back on that path. But the most important thing is that you get back on the path. Don't stay off the path. Get on the path. And I just feel that there's some people in this room that have made some bad decisions Maybe you've been off the path. You're coming to church. You feel like you're doing all the right things, but you're not, you've not really been obedient to God. Or maybe you've just really messed life up. I don't know. I don't, I don't know where you're at, but I know that God makes all things right. When you make things right with Him, He makes things right with you. Because like I said earlier, God wants to give you His plan for your life more than what you want to know it. God is in heaven waiting for you to say, God, I love you more than this. I love you more than that. I love you more than this person. I love you more than my job. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do. And I feel like I'm not the only one in this room that's dealt with this, that there's other people here. So we're going to take just a few minutes. I'm not going to make this drag this out I feel like that if this is you and you know who you are that you're not where you need to be to get to where God wants you to be he's got a plan for you you can come up to this altar we have prayer team members that'll pray for you you can pray at your seat but I I want you to spend some time with God because I I feel like that's we lack that asking God God am I where I need to be Am I? on the path that you want me to be on, not the path that I want to be on, not what I want to pursue for my life, but what you have for my life. Amen. Can we just spend some time with God? If you need to come up to the altar, you can do that.